0: What do you want me to tell you? After listening to everything in this series, after taking this journey with me, what do you want me to say? I'm guessing you want to hear about the tearful reunion that happened in my extended family after the final interview with my parents. I hate to break it to you, friend, but the ending you just heard is the ending that exists, at least for now. And I know you hate to hear that. How do I know that? Because I hate it too. I hate it so much, I tried to rewrite it in June of 2021. A new ending, for me and for you. Here's how it all went down. With five kids, my wife and I don't enjoy the long drive from Cleveland to Minneapolis. It truly feels like a rare and particularly cruel kind of torture. But it had been about four years since we were back in Minnesota as a family. And with the story you just heard in the series fresh in our minds, we wanted to be sure we kept our kids connected with their relatives. So we drove. And it gave me at least 12 and a half hours to stress over how the unprecedented gathering in just a few days would go. My dad, his brother Tom, and his cousin Marshall live within 30 minutes of each other. But they hadn't all been in the same room since my grandpa's funeral in 1992 and they haven't gathered casually since they were kids. But now that I have established contact, recorded interviews, and told everyone I'm working on this podcast project, maybe I could get them all together in the same room. Even better, what if my cousins could be there? And my brother, my wife and kids, my second cousin Tim. Can't you picture it? Everyone knows that everyone knows I'm telling this story. If we could just look at each other, Get together in the same room. Maybe this would be the reconciliation recipe. I pitched the idea of a family reunion of sorts to my parents and my brother. They were in. My brother even offered a host. And as if I were experiencing a miracle in motion, everyone else agreed to join us. Only my cousin Nicole was out of town and couldn't make it. So as I drove, I hoped. I prayed. I anticipated. And on June 13th, 2021, it happened. I took as many photos as I could. I smiled as my dad, his brother, and his cousin sat around the table and chatted. Marshall told me hilarious misadventures from his teenage years. I met my cousin Kelly's kids for the very first time. I even discovered that my second cousin Tim almost bought the house across the street from my brother. In all, it was wonderful. It truly was. I'm grateful to the Lord for allowing the whole thing to come together. But despite my best efforts, I couldn't manufacture the ending I wanted. In fact, nobody even asked me about the interviews I recorded a few years earlier. Nobody asked about updates on the release of this podcast series. Nobody brought up the birthday card or the disownment. And if I'm being honest, I didn't bring any of it up either. But are you really all that surprised? It was a room full of pleasant acquaintances that happened to be related. We enjoyed our time together. Could that be enough? Should it be enough? You see, I very well may be the only person in the extended Dallman family interested in knowing one another more deeply they may be disinterested and more and perfectly satisfied with the status quo. And if I truly love and respect them, I can't insist that they conform to my desires. Instead, I can learn to accept them for who they are and what they want. So, here's my question for you. What does it say about you and me that we aren't satisfied with what actually happened? What does it say about our souls? Think about it this way. Have you ever read a really great book with a terribly unsatisfying ending? Had an experience where you were tracking with the story and then all of a sudden they lost you? You take the time to invest in the characters and the storyline and the relationships. And then all of a sudden the ending just doesn't do it for you. You know, when the guy doesn't get the girl. When mom and dad don't make up. When we don't find the redemption we ache for? The redemption we feel like we earned? Or our irritation with endings can happen the opposite way as well. When things are wrapped up too quickly. When the ratio of exposition and action far outweighs the resolution. All of a sudden, all is forgiven. Everyone makes up. And we all live happily ever after. Why does this happen to us? Why are these endings so bothersome? Here's my take. We mourn the quick endings because they don't feel human. When everyone sings kumbaya out of nowhere, when everyone forgives and forgets without any real conversation, we think, this isn't real. This would never happen. There's no redemption earned here. And we combat the other kind of ending because we ache for resolution. We long for redemption. Because I believe the need for redemption is written on our hearts, whether we want it there or not. Don't believe me? Let me take you back a bit. Well, actually, back a lot. To the beginning. In the book of Genesis, everything was good in God's eyes. He actually says that over and over. He calls his creation good. And life was perfect in the garden. That is, until Adam and Eve did the one thing they weren't supposed to do. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and thus began the cycle of sin and shame, enmity between men and women, and a desperate attempt from humans to try to return to the garden to be in perfect communion with God. But our sin keeps us separated from God and each other. Now, apply this to what we've learned together. Don't many families collectively deny this fundamental spiritual reality? In an attempt to mimic the communion displayed in the garden, they actively deny the knowledge of evil altogether and live life in the delusion that they're basically good and healthy? That if they just love each other well enough, any semblance of evil will disappear from their family system or at least get small enough that it won't matter? We, like Adam and Eve, want to cover up the knowledge of evil, the awareness of sin. But the unfortunate reality is that Adam and Eve's temptation to hide their own shame didn't make them any more naked than they were before. It just made them fearful of God. It just distanced them from Him. Friend, as much as we want to, we just can't deny our way out of sin. We can't sweep away conflicts we're all sinners we just are and if we view our families as basically good we are unwittingly surrendering the opportunity for intimacy for a truly healthy family system one that presses into pain acknowledges hurt and resolves conflict one that resembles communion with our creator our father so in light of my story what will you choose Will you live in denial in your family? Or will you face reality and dare to be the one who boldly, vulnerably, and unashamedly says, I am a mess, and I can't be in harmony with God or my family on my own. I have the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. I need help. So, who or what can help you? Counseling is good. I strongly encourage it. But I've experienced that counseling alone isn't enough. True reconciliation and peace can only come with the help of someone who isn't even part of your immediate family or a counselor. The answer, my answer, is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, who can be found closer than a brother. Jesus, who I believe can teach us how to do the same following him makes the unsatisfactory endings of this life worth enduring and brings the hope and guidance required to attempt to rewrite them. Maybe this isn't the ending you wanted and maybe that says something about you about your soul. My prayer is that you'll join me in this journey. It's far more important than the one we've traveled together already. I believe that this is the only way And I'm making my way there too. Will you join me?